Okay, uh, brothers and sisters, our topic for today is kind of in connection with our previous studies, because last time we talked about the fifth trumpet, and we know are the, uh, the demons or the devils have been unleashed, and the fifth trumpet seems to be the time when they are wreaking havoc upon the face of the earth. We are speaking, of course, of uh, Abaddon, Apollyon, which means destruction or place or destroyer. And so we need to prepare to overcome what is going to transpire upon the whole world, which is the work of deception, the work of destruction, which is what the enemy will do as he seeks to devour people, specifically those who belong to Allahim, so that they will not receive salvation. So we need to learn to protect ourselves from end time destruction and deception. And this question came from one of our viewers. This was the following question. Hi, Kajan. Thank you for entertaining our questions here in the BQA program, which helps us to be enlightened. My question for is, you mentioned in your Bible studies, and this was the, uh, the Bible study I referenced, the BHP concerning the fifth trumpet. Uh, when the end is near, we have to watch out for destruction and deception. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of the heavenly realm, how can we best protect ourselves from destruction and deception that they influence? And so according to the person who wrote this question, uh, she acknowledges that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of the heavenly world. And this is based upon the teaching of the Apostle Paul, wording us about the influence of the devil and Satan and his legion of demons. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we look around us, we know there is much trouble, and oftentimes the trouble comes from people making wicked decisions and choices. However, more often than not, behind the scenes, there are fallen celestial beings, fallen angels who have power, who have great authority over the world, and they're the ones who are orchestrating the events, causing misery and suffering from people all across the face of the earth. This is why Apostle Paul says, our struggle is not really with people. It's not really against flesh and blood, but against the invisible principalities, the forces of evil wielded by celestial beings who have fallen. Satan is one of them. He is the chief commander, the ruler of these fallen angels. And together as a legion, they're going to seek to devour the people of Abba and the world in general because of this danger that it presents, uh, we need to protect ourselves. And one of the reasons why they're dangerous, according to the person asking the question, is because they will influence mass deception. So how can we protect ourselves from deception? Something we need to address, because if you remember uh, the question we posed a while ago, if you still remember, what is the most repeated warning for the end times? If we go back to Matthew 24, because that is when our King Yahushua spoke about the signs of the end. And this is what one of his disciples asked Yahushua before he uh, went to heaven. One of the questions was the following. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, 
The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so the disciples, they're well aware that there's going to be the end of time, the end of the age. That's the point in time when the kingdom of Yahuwah shall be permanently installed upon earth, leading to the millennial kingdom and eventually to the everlasting kingdom. So they know that the age of the earth is going to come to an end. So we're asking for signs. And so when they ask for signs, our King Yahusha says in verse 4, and Yahusha answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. That's interesting because before answering the question specifically, our King Yahusha gave them a warning. He says, be careful, take heed, be aware, because one of the most prevalent signs in the end times is there's going to be mass deception upon the world. So we can expect that the people's worldviews, when the end of the world is near, is going to be directly opposite the biblical worldview or the teachings of Yahuwah Abba found in the Holy Scriptures. In Matthew 24, numerous times, in numerous times, our King Yahushua warned us about deception. In verse 4, he said, Yahushua answered, take heed, no one deceives you. Verse 5, uh, uh, my name, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Uh, there, uh, then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So our King Yahushua responding to the questions of the disciples, he tells us in advance that we need to prepare for the upcoming deception. The whole world is going to be deceived. Now, who's going to spearhead this work of deception? Revelation 12, 9 and 12. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you will dwell, and you who dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Who is the one who spearheads the work of deception? It is the devil or the uh, Shatan, the adversary of Yahuwah, the adversary of our king, Yahushua. And what kind of deception is he going to Produce. Bible says he deceives the whole world. This is why if we want to learn about how to please Yahuwah, how to please Yahusha, how to receive salvation, we should not look to the world for the answer. We're going to look to the world for the answer for sure. We're not going to get the proper response. And so we will not have or find the knowledge that leads to our salvation. So we need to be aware we need to understand that the whole world is cloaked with deception. And so they're going to react to the truth. And so it's not surprising the people of Yahuwah today, when they boldly proclaim the truth, the world, well, they're going to react to it. They're going to say things like, oh, 
you know, you don't, why do you teach the truth when it hurts other people? Well, as people of God, we have the responsibility to preach the truth. Yes, sometimes the truth hurts, but the truth for the word of God is likened to a sword because we have to slice through the deception. If we're, gonna, if we're not going to swing that sword, then we're going to let deception prevail. We have to boldly take that swing. We have to preach the truth boldly. Yes, we preach with love, but we preach the truth with boldness, just like our king Yahusha. You know, when our king Yahusha was here on earth, when he faced the Pharisees, remember what he said? You brood of vipers, right? You are like serpents, whitewashed tombs you are. You hypocrites. I mean, Yahusha was not mincing words. Yahusha was very direct, and he was doing that because of his love. Sometimes, uh, if we want to really remove the deception, we have to boldly preach the truth of the word of God. Will it invite people to persecute us? Yes. Will it invite people to hate us? Yes. But that's exactly what our King Yahusha said. He said, you are my disciples because you follow me. Guess what? You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted just like I was persecuted. So brothers and sisters, do not be surprised that when we preach boldly the word of God, we're going to be different from the world. The world doesn't like that. And so when we preach against LGBTQ, when we preach against abortion, when we preach against something that's politically not right, according to them, then we're going to be persecuted, accosted, we're going to be mocked. But we will stand for the truth. And so we need to understand there is this cloak of deception going on in the world. It's up to us to shine brightly as light before the world. Now, according to our King Yahusha, those who do the works of deception, how are they also able to deceive the whole world? Matthew 24, 23 to 25. And if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. And so, according to our King Yahusha himself, people who are false messiahs, people who proclaim themselves to be the anointed one or to be preachers who should be recognized as of the same level as the Messiah, at least that is the kind of respect they demand from their followers, devotion to themselves, according to our King Yahusha, don't be surprised if they will succeed here on earth. Don't be surprised if they will show great signs and wonders. Many people today are saying, you know, if the church that we belong to is not of God, then why are we su succeeding? Why are we able to build so many houses of worship? Why are we able to convert so many people? Well, the Bible says that it's not the standard by which we are to test for deception. Because the Bible says, Yahushua himself says, false prophets will perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. This is why we have to be aware of the strategies of the adversary so that we can learn to outwit him, to overcome his work of deception. Now, what tool is utilized by Shatan, the adversary, today? Let's read the book of Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. According to scriptures, the shatan is described as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. What does that mean? That means shatan is able to use the power of the air to influence people. This is why, because of the advent of the internet, Shatan began to rejoice. Why? Because Shatan, the celestial beings, they're not omnipresent. Yahuwah is omnipresent. Shatan is not omnipresent. Do you know what it means to be omnipresent? It means you're everywhere at the same time. Shatan is not omnipresent. Shatan is not omniscient. Shatan is not omnipotent. Yahuwah is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. But Shatan is limited in his powers and capabilities. This is why he can only spend time in one place. Yes, he can swiftly go from place to place because he is, after all, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, that phrase, ruler of the kingdom of the air, takes on a whole new meaning and application today because of the advent of the internet. You know, the devil uses the internet to deceive. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why would he use the internet to deceive? Because he's limited. Physically, he's limited because he's not omnipresent. But when he uses the internet, he has three distinct advantages. What are they? Greater reach. Shatan can only reach the uh, people within his locality. This is why he seeks to influence those who are in the position to make decisions that will impact whole countries and whole kingdoms. His prime targets are religious leaders, political leaders movers and shakers, right? Because after all, if he can get them, he can use their influence to pass along the, the lies that he wants to spread. This is why when the internet came into be, to, to being, he got a new tool and he's going to use that tool because he has greater reach. He potentially reaches the whole world, right? Because nowadays, so many people are connected to the internet. How many of you are connected to the internet? All of us. If I mean, not all of us. There are some people who have no idea what the internet is. But for the great majority of human beings, many people are connected today. They have social media. If not the internet via computer, they have their cell phones. And so there's ways of communication. And that's the perfect platform for the devil to spread his work of deception and Lines. So not only does he have greater reach, not only does he potentially have access to the minds of billions of people throughout the world, he also have 24 hours per day influence, right? Because the, the, the internet connects the whole world. And so if it's sleeping time, nighttime here in the West, in the East, it's morning time, right? And so the, the kind, the ideas that he that he will use, that he will inject or insert in some of the information passed along via social media, via Facebook, via YouTube, it's going to be on access 24 hours per day. And so greater reach, 
24 hours per day influence. And he is able to create paradigm shifts in days, not years. Do you know how long it took for the doctrine of the Trinity to be official? It took hundreds and hundreds of years. When Yahushua and his disciples, his apostles were on earth, the teaching was that there's only one true God. Who is that? The Father. Yahuwah is the only true God. However, over the years, after hundreds and hundreds of years of influence, after hundreds of years of pagan influence, eventually the church adopted the doctrine of the Trinity. Nowadays, it doesn't take hundreds of years. Shatan can create paradigm shifts towards his ideas, not in a matter of years, but in a matter of days. That's because nowadays, because of social media, when the devil will plant an idea and he will cause that idea to grow in influence, when people disagree with that idea, what will social media do? They're going to mock you and persecute you. It's called cyberbullying, right? Or public shaming. And so when you don't agree with them, you're going to be a marked man. Nobody wants to be a marked man, right? The whole world is going to go against you because of the internet. And so this is the perfect tool for the devil to use to deceive people because it has great reach. It has 24 hours of the influence. And he's able to create paradigm shifts in days, not years. So he can remove, he can remove uh, the idea, the truth that the Bible is the word of God, that Yahuwah is the only true God. He can replace that with whole new ideas. This is why we have to be aware of the kind of ideas that he wants to replace the Holy Bible, the commandments of God with. And what are they? In Colossians 2 verse 8, the apostle Paul warns us, see to it that no one carries you off as spoil or make or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain conceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. And so what ideas will the devil plant and he will cause to be propagated so that the whole world will buy into his philosophies? By Apostle Paul warns us that we have to be careful with the products of human wisdom that seeks to replace the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. You see, that's really what the devil wants to do. He wants human beings to be distracted so that they end up rejecting the Messiah. Because when people reject the Messiah, guess what? They will not be saved. He knows that. And so he will do everything in his power to direct the efforts of man so that his thinking will lead others away from Yahusha HaMashiach. This is why he will find replacements for Yahusha. Like one, so-called philosophy and intellectualism. Men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. These philosophies take on the ISM, the isms that we learn from school, that is adopted by people throughout the world, especially those who are recognized 
as people who have influence. What are these isms? We have naturalism, naturalism pantheism, and humanism. I think many of us are familiar with these philosophies and ideologies. The Bible says they're intellectual nonsense. I mean, it sounds intellectual, but then when you really think about it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, what's naturalism all about? It's the idea, the philosophy, that all that there is are material things, that everything comes from nature. There's no spiritual world, it's all natural. And so they believe life originated from natural mechanisms. Evolution came about by random jolts of electric power causing a sea of chemicals to become life called evolution, right? And so they believe that there's no need for a God, there's no need for a Yahushua, there's no need for the spiritual world because everything is natural. That's all that there is. And so many people have bought this line of naturalism. Now, there are those who go against naturalism, and so they adopt pantheism. And so they believe there is a spiritual force. They believe that we human beings are not just natural beings. We are also supernatural beings, but they take it a little too far, right? They believe that human beings are like gods themselves because their, their idea of God is not a personal God, but a universal force wherein all of us as consciousness are connected with one superconscious, which they call the universal God. Pantheism, all of us are connected. All of creation is God itself, okay? And then there's humanism. It's the idea that the highest good is what makes human beings happy. It's also called hedonism. It's a branch of humanism. It's all about humanity, that humanity is the center of all things instead of Yahuwah. And so they believe that human beings have the ability with his intellect and wisdom to solve all of humanity's problems, including death. And so they believe eventually with the power of science and technology, they're going to conquer death. Okay, so that's humanism, naturalism, pantheism, humanism. And so these ideas are being promoted and the devil makes it sound very intellectual so that people will drop this idea that there is a Bible or that the Bible is the word of God. And then they will drop the idea that Yahusha is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, and that there's a, a God who created all things. And so these are the ideas being propagated by the devil. And so we find this all over the world, new age material, that's pantheism, right? People who say things like, whatever feels good for me, that's what I'm going to do. This is why we have famous people who divorce, divorces his wife, leaves the family because he says, well, I want to be happy. <laughs> I want to be happy. Purpose of, uh, first and foremost, the purpose of marriage, according to scripture, is not so that we can be happy. It's so that we can be instruments to raise godly uh, and holy individuals. So that we can live a godly life. That's the purpose of marriage. For our holiness. And happiness is a byproduct. But humanism has turned that around. Whatever feels good to you, do it. Right? And so they totally ignore the principles and the desires of Yahuwah Abba. Now, what also does the devil use to deceive people? 2 Corinthians 11, 14 to 15, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions 
deserve. And so the devil will also use servants of righteousness. In other words, they will portray, he will use instruments wherein people will portray themselves to be promoting the agenda of righteousness or the agenda of God. But behind it all is really something else, right? Their agenda, their hidden agenda is not to promote righteousness, but something else. And unfortunately, they also use the words of God. They also use the Bible in promoting their agenda. This is why when, when we go to YouTube, we're not surprised. You're going to find lots and lots of videos about biblical topics. And some of them are good, right? But some of them are not so good. And some of them are downright wrong. And so there's so much information out there. Oftentimes we don't know which one is true. How do I know which one to believe, right? You get a video from some, someone from the internet, someone from Facebook who sends or shares a video segment about a, bi a biblical topic. And they ask you to read it or maybe to watch it, right? And you don't know, is this true? Or is this not true? And so Shatan will enter, will enter uh, this field and use this platform to also deceive many people. So we are bombarded by information because of the internet. And so what do we need to do so that we can protect ourselves from deception? There are four things that we need to do so that we can protect ourselves from deception. What's number one? Proverbs 9, 10 to 11. Uh, 9, 10 to 11. The fear of Yahuwah is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. And so what's the first thing we need to do so that we can overcome the deception that is found all over the world? We need to have a reverent fear of Yahuwah. Nowadays, people do not fear God, right? They don't, even though they know that certain ideas, certain behaviors goes against the will of Abba, they do it anyways, because they have no fear of Yahuwah. They have no fear of God. For them, what is important is what, they, what makes them happy, what they think and believe is right. But the Bible says, if we have that kind of mentality, it's going to be easy for us to be deceived. We will be easily deceived. When we say we have reverence for Yahuwah, what does that mean? We will seek to understand who Yahuwah is. Do you remember how the devil tricked or deceived Eve? The devil was successful in convincing Eve that Yahuwah does not, was not really looking out for their best, their, their, their welfare. He was making Yahuwah appear to be some kind of tyrant who did not want her the best things for her. And so the devil wants to take away the proper understanding of who Yahuwah is. And so if we truly have reverence for Yahuwah, we will seek to know him. The more we know Yahuwah, the more we understand his character, the less likely we are to be deceived. As a matter of fact, reverence for Yahuwah, that is the foundation or the beginning of wisdom. And so how can we show that we have reverence for, that we fear Yahuwah? Proverbs 3, 7, 5 to 6. Do not consider yourselves wise. Fear Yahuwah and turn away from evil. Trust Yahuwah with all your heart 
and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths smooth. According to scriptures, how can we show to Yahuwah that we have fear of him? Bible says we who fear Yahuwah, we turn away from evil and we trust Yahuwah. Who are those who trust Yahuwah with all of their heart? They do not rely on their own wisdom, on their own understanding. Instead, they acknowledge Yahuwah in everything that they do. I mean, think about people today, right? They make choices. They make decisions. They do things without even thinking about Yahuwah. They don't bother to pray to the Father and ask, Father, is this your will for my life? Is this what you want me to do? Do we do this, uh, brothers and sisters? Do we ask for the guidance of Yahuwah? Do we ask for his wisdom? Because if we will not acknowledge him, it's like saying to Yahuwah, oh, I don't need your guidance. I can do this on my own. Beloved brothers and sisters, there's so much information in the world today. It's easy to be deceived. And so we need to always acknowledge Yahuwah's wisdom instead of trusting and relying on our own wisdom. It doesn't mean it's bad to have your own wisdom. No, we were given a mind so that we can develop wisdom, human wisdom. There's nothing wrong with human, human wisdom, but we must not trust in human wisdom. Why not? Proverbs 14, verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man or to a person, but eventually it ends in death. No matter how smart we are, how wise we are, we're not perfect. And human beings have the, have, have the propensity to make mistakes and to make the wrong decisions. Look at Adam and Eve. Look at all the kings of Yisharaf. Look at the people of God that we read about in the Old Testament. I mean, even those who are called heroes of faith like Abraham, when we study his life, what do we find? A lot of bad choices, right? It's a good thing. Yahuwah is long-suffering, and he's a forgiving father. This is why, even though the biblical heroes of faith, like David and Abraham, even though they make mistakes, Yahuwah forgives them. But for us as human beings, why not learn from their mistakes, right? And so instead of trusting our own wisdom, let us trust in the wisdom of Yahuwah. So that's number one. We have to have reverent fear of Yahuwah. What else must we do so that we can protect ourselves from deception? First John 4 verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so according to the Apostle John, there's one thing we need to do, especially when the end of the world is near. What is that? We have to test the spirits. What do you mean? We have to test the spirits. We have to test whether or not what preachers and false and prophets who are preaching, we have to test whether or not what they're teaching is true. Because there's many, what kind of prophets does it say? False prophets. False prophets. Many of them have gone out into the world. This is why just because they hold the Bible or use the Bible, it doesn't mean that we should listen and accept everything that they have to say. We have to test it like what Apostle Paul said. Do not despise what God has revealed. Instead, test everything 
Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. You know, in the assembly of Yahushua, we don't prohibit you from listening to other preachers, right? Go ahead. But what do we need to do when we listen to some videos, when we read certain books? We have to test it. And when we test everything, what must we do? Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil, right? And so this is what we need to do, especially now. There's so many things um, that enter into our, our interest. And so we have to always test these ideas, test what they preach. Who are good examples of those who learn how to test everything? Acts 17, verse 11. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so here is a perfect example of what it means to test the spirits, to test the prophets, to test the, preacher, the preachers, and to hold on to what is good. The Bereans. What did the Bible say about the Bereans? They were of noble character. What made them noble in character? They were not robots. They did not follow blindly. Because nowadays people are so gullible, right? They follow blindly without testing. The Bereans, when they received the message preached by the Apostle Paul, what did they do? They were eager to receive it because, of course, it's, it could be a message from God. And so if there's the possibility that there's this message from God, we should be open to it. Do not despise the prophecies of God. And so what do we do? We receive it, and then we test it. What did the Bereans do to test it? They examined the scriptures every day. You see, the Bereans were of noble character because, number one, they read the scriptures, right? They read the scriptures for themselves because they would not be able to test what Apostle Paul was preaching, whether it's right or not, if they did not know scriptures. And so what does this tell us about the Bereans? They regularly read the scriptures. They were well-versed in the scriptures. This is why they can search the scriptures. You cannot search the scriptures unless you have some fundamental background about its study, about, about its contents, right? And so the Bereans, they regularly read the scripture. And so now when Apostle Paul came to preach, they have the ability to test it. So they examined the scripture and compared it to what Apostle Paul was preaching. And when they did that, they discovered, you know what? What he's saying is true. We need to do the same thing. We need to use scripture to test people because scripture is the test. That's the standard. And so when Apostle John tells us to test the spirits, when Apostle Paul tells us to test uh, everything, our standard for testing is the scriptures. Why? Why must it be the scriptures? Let's read the book of 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17. And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Yahushua. All scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why must we use scripture as the standard by which to test whether or not one who is preaching is preaching the truth? Because all scripture is inspired by who? By God. I want you to notice that what is inspired is scripture. You see that? Not the interpretations of people preaching the scripture. Do you see the difference? Right? Apostle Paul, because when he was writing scripture, he was an authorized preacher, meaning he had authority to preach. He had authority to reveal the word of God because he was chosen to write down the Bible. After the Bible has been completed, those who preach from the Bible after the canon has been completed, guess what? Whatever they have to say, whatever they have to preach, it's no longer inspired. In the sense that, it's, that scripture is inspired, there's a different level of inspiration. The, the word of God is inspired. The, the Bible is inspired because it is inerrant. There's no mistakes. But human beings, after the Bible has been completed, do they make mistakes? Yeah. When a human being who's preaching the word of God will tell you that he is inspired in the same way the Bible is inspired, he's making himself equal to the Bible. That's wrong. What is inspired, brethren, is scripture. All scripture, not the interpretations that preachers make about scriptures. This is why when there's someone who comes along after the Bible has been completed, and they begin to teach you and give you their own interpretation, we should not let the preacher interpret scripture. Don't. Instead, we must let scripture interpret scripture, right? What does that mean? If we have a question about a passage, what should answer the question about the passage? The scriptures. This is what we need to do to be able to test the preachers, to test the prophets. But it's something that's not easily done. I mean, if I were to tell you, okay, brethren, go ahead and test everything. Test the prophets. Test the preachers. Can you do it? Can you do it? It's not that easy, right? This is why for us to be able to develop the ability to test the scriptures like the Bereans, what must we do? Let's read Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. And so for us to develop the ability to discern the difference between truth and error, good and evil, what do we need to do? Apostle Paul says we have to constantly use the scriptures. Because when we constantly use the scriptures, we train ourselves to be able to distinguish good from evil. It's something that doesn't come automatically. This is why in the Assembly of Yahusha, we're going to be implementing the discipleship program. We're going to teach you how to read the Bible 
how to learn from the Bible and how to apply the Bible so that we can use scriptures to test what is good and what is not good. Because it's not something that you can just read on your own. We all need guidance with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to help each other learn the Holy Scriptures. And so that's part of the discipleship program. Hopefully all of us will be able to uh, participate. So test all things. Have reverent fear for Yahuwah. Test all things. How else can we protect ourselves from deception? Ephesians 4, 14 to 15. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so cleverly sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. But also must we do to protect ourselves from deception? Apostle Paul tells us that we should not be like immature children. You know, when it comes to immature children, especially I mean, very, very young, like a five-year-old, a four-year-old, they're very gullible, right? Whatever you tell them, they believe is gospel truth. That's why you can tell a four-year-old child, you know, every December 25, there's this person called Santa Claus. If you're nice, you get a toy, right? And what do the kids believe? Yeah, they believe it, right? If you tell that same story to a 45-year-old, <laughs> would he believe it? If he does, <laughs> something must be wrong, right? Because young, immature children, they believe everything that they read. You know, it's good to be a reader, but we have to test everything that we read. And here's the thing. Sometimes lies can be so clever, they sound like the truth. The most clever lies are the lies that are closest to the truth. That's what makes them so clever. And who's cleverly using that? The devil, right? Because the devil knows how to use fact and fiction together. So they will begin with a fact. You know, they put the data and then they will have their own opinion. And then they put that together, package it, and then present it. And then the person listening, oh, you know, a lot of uh, rumors, a lot of uh, gossip start out that way. It may be based on a fact, right? But they twist the fact and then make the person sound as though they, this person some terrible person, right? That's what the devil likes to do. And so we have to be aware of lies so clever they sound like the truth. And so we need to know the truth and we have to make sure it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. In other words, we must learn not to compromise the truth. Because when we compromise the truth, when we give in to a truth, what happens? Galatians 5, 9 and 10. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. This is a stern warning from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is telling us we have to be aware and we have to be on guard and be vigilant about false teachings. This is why we have to boldly preach against false teachings. I mean, sometimes people might get offended when we preach the truth, but we have to preach the truth with love. 
just because we don't want to offend someone, we're not going to say, I'm not going to preach his truth. For example, you know, nowadays it's the holiday season and many people are celebrating what? Christmas. I mean, if we are truly, if we truly belong to Yahuwah, we're not going to compromise with our faith, right? We're not going to have a Christmas tree. We're not going to have these Christmas lights. We're not going to participate in, the, in whatever they do for Christmas, right? Because sometimes you might say, oh, it's only a small thing. And then you end up believing that small thing, right? When we believe a false teaching, Apostle Paul says, it's like little yeast. It affects the entire batch of dough. And this is why in the assembly, we cannot tolerate false doctrine or false teaching. Apostle Paul says, God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So that's number three. Do not compromise the word. Because when we compromise the word, it will affect us entirely. And we don't want that to happen. What else? The last one. Colossians 2, 4 down to 5. Apostle Paul says, I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. That's what we want, our faith to be strong. Apostle Paul, when he was shepherding all the members of the assembly of Yusha in the Gentile world, he was concerned about them because he knew they were exposed to pagan ideas. They came from pagan beliefs, right? So Apostle Paul was, was very concerned. He wants them to grow strong in faith. He doesn't want them to be deceived. And so Apostle Paul says, uh, I don't want you to be deceived by well-crafted arguments because no one's going to be deceived by arguments that are nonsense. But they're well-crafted arguments that make a lie sound like the truth. Those are the ones we have to be, uh, that we have to watch out for. So Apostle Paul says, I am telling you this so that you will not be deceived. And so what is that? Verse 4 says, I am telling you this. So what is Apostle Paul telling the Colossians that they must adhere to so that they will not be deceived by these clever arguments? Well, we read 4 to 5. Let's read 2 down to 3. Because they are united in love, I work so that they may be encouraged by all the riches that come from a complete understanding of Christ. He is the mystery of God. God has hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. According to Apostle Paul, what, is, what did he tell the Colossians that they must hold on to and adhere to so that they would not be deceived? It is the desire to have a complete understanding of Christ. In other words, we need to seek to know Christ more. We need to seek to know Yahuwah Abba more. We must not be complacent because if we're not growing, what will happen to our faith? It's going to start dying. A growing faith is a dying faith. If we want our faith to be strong in Mashiach, it has to grow every day. Why must we grow in our faith in Yahusha every day? Because hidden in Yahusha are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. This is why it is so invigorating, isn't it? When we learn something new about Yahuwah, 
when we learn something new about the Moedim, when we learn something new about Yahusha, it fills us with joy. It strengthens our faith. This is why a Christian, a follower of Yahusha, who rejects an understanding of their Mashiach, they don't want to learn about him. How can they be true disciples? Remember what Yahusha said in Matthew 7, 21? Yahusha HaMashiach said, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the will of my father. You cast out demons in my name. You've done, you prophesied in my name. You've done many wonderful works in my name, but I don't know you. You see, what Yahusha wants is that relationship. And a person who has a relationship with Yahusha, it grows. It's not complacent. This is why in one of Yahusha's messages to the seven assemblies, remember what he said? The one thing I have against you is this. You don't love me now as you did before. You see, our love for Yahusha, our faith in Yahusha, it must grow. Otherwise, it's going to die. It has to keep growing. How can it grow? How can we know Christ more and more? How can we know Yahuwah more and more? We read Colossians 2, 2 to 3. Let's read now 6 to 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Yahusha, ask your Lord. That's the beginning of our relationship with Yahusha. When we accepted him as Lord, being baptized into his body, him becoming our Lord and head, right? That's the beginning. But it's just the beginning. What must we do? You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This is what Apostle Paul wants us to do. We don't settle. We don't, be, we don't become complacent because we were baptized already and we stopped learning about Yahushua. We stopped relating with Yahushua. No, we have to continue to follow him. How? We let our roots grow down into him and let our lives be built on him. In other words, our life should be centered around Yahushua. We think of him every day. Do we do that? Do we practice meditations and we think about Yahusha and we invite him in our heart every day? We need to practice how to do that. And in our discipleship program, that is part of what we're going to learn and practice together. How to invite Yahusha in our life so our roots will grow down into him. And when that happens, you will feel his presence. And when his presence is in your life, you begin to become stronger and stronger as we build our life upon him. And so when we make Yahusha the central point in our life, what do we prove and demonstrate to him? Second Corinthians 11, 2-3, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you are as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And so how can we grow in faith so that we will not be deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent? We have to think of ourselves as the bride of Yahusha. The bride of Yahusha is the assembly. And so because we are the bride of Yahusha, we're waiting for his return. While we're waiting for his return, what does Yahusha expect from us? Our undivided devotion. 
our pure devotion must not be placed upon any leader here on earth. It must be undivided, belonging only to who? Yahusha. It cannot be Yahusha and my pastor, <laughs> right? It cannot be Yahusha and my executive minister, right? It must be Yahusha, undivided. Because if we say it's Yahusha and my pastor, you just divided your devotion. It must be undivided and pure, solely focused upon our King Yahusha. So that what he wants is what we will commit to do. If we are like this, we cannot be touched by the cunning attacks and the cunning ways of the serpent. And so, brothers and sisters, for us to overcome and protect ourselves from deception, we have to have reverence for Yahuwah. We pray to him and are loyal to him. We have to test all things using the scriptures or standard. We must not compromise the word of God. And we must grow in Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so that's how we protect ourselves from deception. We're almost done, but we cannot overlook this part. How can we best protect ourselves from destruction? Because we know deception and destruction, they go together. As a matter of fact, the devil uses deception for the sole purpose of destruction. That's how he destroys people with his lies and destruction. This is what uh, our King Yahusha says about the work of the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Yahusha, as the good shepherd, is comparing himself to the devil. Yahusha, as the good shepherd, he gives the sheep a rich and satisfying life. Because the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the thief, represented by the work of the devil, well, what's the thief's purpose? It is to steal, it is to kill, and it is to destroy. This is why the devil is the destroyer. He destroys the lives of people. He will steal from them and kill them, right? And he, according to Apostle Paul, what will he do so that he can kill and destroy? Let's read 2 Corinthians 2.11. I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we are not ignorant about Satan's scheming. And so we know Satan is a schemer. He uses lies and deception, slander. That's what he uses. Those are his tools of choice to destroy the lives of people. And so we know Satan's scheming. And because he has snares and traps, what does he use with snares and traps? He will set them throughout the world so that he can capture his victims. Why does he do this? In 1 John 5.19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is why the devil is able to plant snares and traps. His schemes are all over the world. And so if we are not careful, we could be caught in his trap. And so if we know his schemes, we can protect ourselves from his schemes, right? And so how can we do that? Well, the Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And so for us not to be entrapped by his scheming and his snares, what must we remove from our heart? Because it represents the whole world that is controlled by the evil one. 
First John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so Apostle John tells us and warns us about the schemes of the devil. You see, the devil knows human nature. He knows about our flesh. Because he's been around for a long, long time. And he's developed the uncanny ability to understand a human being's weaknesses. And the traps that he sets caters to the sinful desires of the flesh and of the world. This is why Apostle John warns us, be careful with the love of the world. Because if we love the world and what the world represents, guess what? We're already entrapped. We're already caught in the snare. Right? And what are the ways of the world that we must reject? The Bible says cravings of sinful man. This is the cravings of the flesh. And we know nowadays, because of the cravings of the flesh, what do we see happening? Fornication, adultery, right? Um, drunkenness, um, drugs. People want the cravings of the flesh satisfied. There's gluttony. <laughs> Gotta put that in there. <laughs> gluttony. The cravings of the flesh. I want more meat, the flesh says. And so the cravings of the sinful man, well, the devil knows that. So he will use that. Which is why so many people today, I mean, can you imagine, you know, you go into high school and it's normal for a person in high school to engage in illicit sex and sex, right? It's okay. I mean, there's even a pastor on the internet. He's a famous pastor. And he even makes a claim that says there's nothing in the Bible that forbids us from having fornication. What's forbidden is adultery, but fornication is okay. He's, he says that. And he's using the word pornea. And so he says that's adultery. And he's saying, he's making an argument from the Bible telling us it's okay to have fornication. Can you imagine that using the word of God to say, oh, it's okay to have sex without marriage? <laughs> Amazing, right? The lust of his eyes, materialism. People want to be rich. There's nothing wrong with love. We need it. But you must not love money because when we love money, we are ensnared by the trap of the enemy. The boasting of what he has and does. This is why so many people boast about what they have accomplished. You notice what people post nowadays on social media? It's about what they accomplished, right? What they've done in their life. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, we have to really be careful with what's going on in the internet because the evil one will use the internet to deceive so that he can destroy us with that deception. And because he's using and controlling the, the internet, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the internet per se. I mean, we, we are thankful for the internet. Right, Because without the internet, we won't be able to broadcast our worship service. And we won't be able to preach the word of God. But the other side of that coin is when it's put in the wrong hands, it can be abused and misused. You put it in the hands of the devil, and he will use the internet against us to destroy us. Right, This is why we have to be very careful. The evil one will use the internet to deceive and to destroy. 
And some of the dangers of internet use and social media are the following. I mean, this is just a small sample, but social media addiction. I mean, so many people a day. I mean, you go out to eat with your family and what are, what, what are they doing? Instead of having a conversation, what are they doing? They're checking their phone. <laughs> They're addicted to their social media. This is why when someone's phone becomes uh, breaks, falls to the ground, cracks, or gets wet and doesn't function anymore. What do they do? They I have a heart attack. Oh no, it's the end of the world. My phone's dead, right? Because they're addicted to social media. You take away the phone, it's like they have withdrawal effects. <laughs> they have all this anxiety. Can you imagine that? And unfortunately, some of the effects of social media is it affects the image of the person. And so they portray themselves as someone different from who they truly are. So they put on a mask for social media and there's no connection between people anymore. It's a connection made between two artificial people, right? It's not a natural connection anymore. Online gambling, <laughs> it's in the rise, especially because of COVID. Online porn, especially during COVID, it's also on the rise. Online affairs, you know, you can have an online affair and your spouse would not even know it because you have an emotional attachment with someone you met on Facebook. Cyberbullying or social media shaming. These are the dangers of internet use and social media. And who can use this against us? The devil. He's using it now to try and destroy our faith. And who is most vulnerable? Let's read 1 Peter 2.25. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls, who are most vulnerable. When it comes to internet attack, deception, and destruction by the enemy, those who do not have a shepherd, we are likened to, who are we likened to? Or what are we likened to by the Holy Bible? We're likened to sheep. And sheep, they need a shepherd. If a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, what do you call that sheep? Yeah, wandered away. And so they're lost. Usually the sheep is by himself, right? And so the devil targets the people who don't have a shepherd. The devil targets people who are lonely and they're by themselves and they, they have no fellowship with other believers. And so they're easy targets. Remember when, I mean, one of our brothers in the assembly kind of pointed this out to me. He said, remember when Eve was tempted by the devil or tempted by the serpent? He was by himself, right? Or she was, by, she was by herself when the devil tempted her. And so she was easily swayed. If Adam was with her when the devil tempted her, maybe there's a good chance that she, she would have said no. Because she would have been encouraged by Adam, right? Because when you're together, it's easier to resist temptation, right? But if you are by yourself and you don't recognize who the shepherd is, you might be tempted to listen to another shepherd or another voice. And so you can be easily deceived. So people who are lonely, people who are by themselves, they're easy targets. The evil one will target those who are lost sheep and are lonely. And a lot of people today, sometimes those who are like considered lost sheep are teenagers, young children who are not interested in religion for some reason, <laughs> right? And so they don't have a shepherd. And if you don't have a shepherd, you're like lost sheep, and they're easy prey now, especially by what 
people call catfishing. You know, look at the CNN article. Uh, this was post. This, this was posted just not too long ago, December 3, 2022. Catfish scams target everyone. Here's how to keep kids safe. And catfish scams not only victimize children, but even adults, right? And so according to this report from CNN, catfishing crimes have ensnared people for years. This week, a grieving family implored parents to monitor their children's online activity after a former Virginia state trooper catfished a 15-year-old girl online. He then traveled to Southern California, where he allegedly killed the girl's mother and grandparents. Parents, please know your child's online activity. Ask questions about what they are doing and whom they are talking to, said Michelle Bland in the girl's auntie. Catfishing, that's a problem. And there are you know, uh, evil people who will take advantage of lonely individuals, right? And they will use catfishing. Well, what is catfishing? Well, catfishers, uh, catfishing is a form of online deception in which people use fake photos and identities to create a fictional persona. They do it for various reasons, including to target potential love interests or people they're trying to befriend. Other catfishers can be child predators trying to gain the trust of a minor. In the Southern California case, Austin Lee Edwards, 28, portrayed himself as a teenager to lure the girl, authorities say, while investigators did not provide details on what platforms the suspect used or how long he knew her. Catfishers can be found on most social media platforms. And so these people embody the satanic ideal, deceive to destroy, right? Catfishing, that's uh, the ploy, the scheme of the enemy. Deceive and destroy. With social media playing such a crucial role in our lives today, safety experts say that parents should have honest and non-judgmental conversations with kids about digital safety while even getting involved in their online worlds. This can be a lifeline that connects them to their children's pervasive virtual reality. So we need to talk to our kids about their internet life. Who do they talk to? Is there someone, I mean, because sometimes our kids are by themselves when they do internet, right? And they don't want us to know who they're chatting with or who they're contacting. And so try to find a way to connect with your kids so that you can be a lifeline. So when things, you know, get, get murky, you can be there for them. You need to know what your kids are doing. You need to know who they're, who they're following, who they are speaking with, because the devil will use that to try and deceive and destroy, right? The devil uses the internet to deceive us and to destroy us. But for the most part, a lot of what we've talked about today, we can kind of control, right? We can kind of prevent from happening. But you know, the devil has powers, not just when it comes to using the internet. He also has abilities in his purpose to destroy us. Let's read the book of Job, 1, 13 and 15. One day when Job's children were having a feast at the home of their eldest brother, a messenger came running to Job. We were plowing the fields with the oxen, he said, and the donkeys were in a nearby pasture. Suddenly, the Sabians attacked and stole them all. They killed every one of your servants except me. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. 
Before he had finished speaking, another servant came and said, three bands of Chaldean raiders attacked us, took away the camels, and killed all your servants except me. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Here we have the family of Job, right? Job lost his children. Job lost his property. It was destroyed. His family was destroyed. His property were, des were destroyed by the Sabians and the Chaldean. These were human beings. They attacked Job's property and kids and his servants, destroying it. Who was behind it? Satan. He was allowed to do this for some reason, to test the faith of Job. And so Satan was allowed. So this tells us the kind of influence he has. Today, there's random acts of violence, mass shootings is on the rise, terrorism, right? All of this is really beyond our control. There's nothing we can do. I mean, unlike catfishing, we can protect ourselves, right? Deception from internet deception, like false preaching, we can protect ourselves, right? But how about, you know, when terrorists attack, when violent people go to our doors and they try to destroy us? What can we do? These fallen angels have that ability. What else did Satan have the ability to do? Let's read Job. Before he had finished speaking, another servant came and said, Lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and killed them all. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Before he had finished speaking, another servant came and said, Your children were having a feast at the home of your eldest son. When a storm swept in from the desert, it blew the house down and killed them all. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. But also, does Satan have the power to do? To control the climate. I mean, he caused lightning to strike the sheep and the shepherds and kill them all. He caused a swarm to sweep in from the desert. It blew the house and killed them all. Can you imagine that? So Satan not only has the power to deceive, he has the power to destroy by causing people to act violently and by causing the climate to act violently. Not only that, in Job 2, 4 to 7, Satan replied, a person will give up everything in order to stay alive. But now suppose you hurt his body, he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, all right, he is in your power, but you are not to kill him. And Satan left Yahuwah's presence and made sores break out all over Job's body. What also does Satan have the ability to do? He can bring sickness in the lives of people. He has, a, he has power to do that. These fallen celestial beings, they have abilities, not possessed by human beings. And so they can cause people to act violently. They can cause the climate to act violently. And they can cause sickness in your body. These are the things by which we can be destroyed physically, right? We can be destroyed spiritually. We can also be destroyed physically. You might be saying, well, what can we do? I mean, how can we protect ourselves against this kind of destruction, this physical destruction? What must we do to protect ourselves? We're almost done. Psalms 91, 1 to 2. Whoever goes to Yahuwah for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God. And you I trust. Brothers and sisters tonight, 
before you go to bed, please pray this prayer. Say to the Father, Yehovah, you are my protector. You are my defender. I trust in you. And when you pray that prayer, verbally say his name, Yahuwah. Yahuwah, defend me. Yahuwah, protect me. I trust in you. The world is becoming a violent place to live in. A dangerous place to live in. But when we proclaim Yahuwah, and we make him our protector and defender and say to him, I trust you, loving Abba, that you will protect me. And you say it with faith. That's your protection. You see, if Yahuwah protects us, it doesn't matter if there are a million devils against us. They can do nothing to touch us. The only reason why Satan was able to do that against Job was because Yahuwah decided to test Job and he allowed Satan to do that. But when Yahuwah hedges us with his protection, no one and nothing can touch us. Nothing can touch us. This is why, brethren, place your hope and your trust in the ability for Yahuwah to keep us safe. How will Yahuwah keep us safe? What will he, what can he protect us from? Psalms 91, 3 to 4. He will keep your, he will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases he will cover you with his wings you will be safe in his care his faithfulness will protect and defend you brothers and sisters if you get a chance tonight if you can read the whole chapter of psalms 91 it's not a long chapter but it's the chapter in the book of psalms that speaks about the faithfulness of yahuwah about protecting his own protecting the people he loves. We belong to Yahuwah. Do you really believe that, brethren? Do you believe that you belong to Yahuwah Abba? Because if you believe that, you will not be afraid. Why? Because of his faithfulness. You know what faithfulness means? It means Yahuwah telling us, you can count on me. My namesake is concerned here. You can count on me. I will never let you down. Yahuwah will never let us down. Our parents may let us down. Our friends may let us down. Human beings may let us down. But Yahuwah will never let us down. Bible says, the Bible says his faithfulness will protect us and defend us. Because by his faithfulness, we will be safe in his care. This is why those who truly place their hope and trust in Yahuwah, how can we recognize them? Five to six. You need not fear. Any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. You know, when COVID hit, many people were afraid, right? And so they wore gloves, they wore masks. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's a rational thing to do, right? Because we have to do our part as well. We don't want to test Yahuwah. This is why Yahusha used in Psalm 91, to tell the devil when he was being tempted, do not test Yahuwah. The devil used Psalms 91. We don't want to test Yahuwah. And so we do our part, right? But once we do our part, what we cannot do for ourselves, you give that in the hands of Yahuwah. I mean, why are you going to be worried and afraid about the things beyond your control? Why? You've done your part, right? To protect yourself. Now live a carefree, happy life because Yahuwah is going to protect you. 
Do not be afraid of sudden attacks. Do not be afraid of plagues that strike in the dark because nothing is hidden from the eyes of our father, Yahuwah. You know how faithful Yahuwah is? How he's able to protect his own? Psalms 91, 7 and 10. A thousand may fall dead beside you. 10,000 all around you. But you will not be harmed. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made Yahuwah your defender, the most high your protector. And so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. You can count on that, brothers and sisters. Do not be afraid of the news that we hear. People getting sick. People dying. People losing hope. Bible says a thousand may fall dead beside you. 10,000 all around you, but you will not be armed. But who are those who truly place their hope and trust in Yahuwah, who make him their defender and protector? Psalm 91, 14 and 16, because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you because you know my name. When you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you when you are in trouble. I will save you and honor you. I will satisfy you with a long life. I will show you I, how I will save you. Who are those who truly will be protected by Yahuwah, even when people next to us are dying because of plague, even if others are being destroyed left and right, even if there is war that's going to happen, which will cause the lives of many people throughout the world. Why are we sure no matter what happens upon the earth, we will be protected by Yahuwah? Bible says, if we love him, he will rescue us because he will protect those who know my name. What does that mean to know the name of Yahuwah? The word know is a relationship term. Yahuwah gives his name because he wants us to have a relationship with him. Who are those who want to call Abba? Allahim, by his name, you're the ones who truly love him. You see, Yahuwah loved us so much. He gave up his son to die on the cross, and he gave us his name. That's his invitation to us. He's saying to us, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be your Allahim. You are my son. You are my daughter. But when we reject his name, when we don't want to know his name, it's like we don't want to have that relationship, brethren. The name of Yahuwah is powerful. You know how powerful the name of Yahuwah is? Let's read the book of John. We're almost done. 17, 14, and 15. I have given them your message, but the world has hated them because they don't belong to the world anymore. And I belong to the world. I'm not asking you to, make, to take them out of the world but to protect them from the evil one. I won't be in the world much longer, but they are in the world. And I'm coming back to you, Holy Father. Keep them safe by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that their unity may be like ours. While I was with them, I kept them safe by the power of your name, the name that you gave me. I watched over them. And none of them except one person became lost. So scripture came true. Brethren, Yahusha, before he went to heaven, he prayed to the Father. Soon I'm going to be with you, Heavenly Father. But the, my, the people you gave me, 
the sheep who belong to Yahusha, who's the great shepherd, we, the assembly of Yahusha today, we are being prayed for here by Yahusha. Yahusha says, protect them. That's us. Protect them from the evil one. This is the prayer of our King Yahusha. And Yahushua says, keep them safe by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, the name the Father gave to Yahushua. It's a wonderful name because it means Yahuwah saves. Yahuwah loved us so much, he gave up his own son to die on the cross so that we can be his people. That tells us if Yahuwah gave up his son, how much more is he willing to do whatever it takes to help us? Brethren, we have nothing to fear and everything, every reason to rejoice. He will keep us safe by the power of his name. Pronounce that name. Proclaim that name. Believe that name. Relate to the Father using that name. And what is the prayer of Yahusha also? Let's read the final passage of our studies today in the book of John as well. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love in which you love me may be in them and I in them. Brethren, Yahushua is praying for us. And we know that when Yahushua prays, it's powerful. He sits at the right hand of Abba. He's working just like the Father is working to complete our salvation. Yes, the enemy and his legion of demons, they're working to destroy, to deceive. But we are protected by the Father. And so let us remain under their protection by calling upon the name of Yahuwah and the name of our King Yahusha. And let us live our life in complete allegiance and loyalty to our Father Yahuwah in his beloved son, Yahushua. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and merciful Father, Yahuwah, our gracious Allahi, we know that you are aware of all things. Yes. You are omnipresent. You are omniscient. You are also omnipotent. And so we believe nothing is impossible with you. You once said to your people, Yeshara, are my hands too short to help? We believe whatever our situation in life may be, whatever our problems that burden us may be, you can help because nothing is impossible with you. There are many things that we endure as we live our life here on earth, we are tested, perhaps not in the same manner Job was tested. But we too have felt the sufferings, the pain of life. And we know this is just the beginning of sorrows. Father, thank you for giving us hope that you are always there. Thank you for reminding us about the power of your faithfulness, your unfailing love, contained in your powerful name, Yahuwah. Yahuwah, we proclaim you are our defender. 
You are our protector. Father, please rescue us. Deliver us, including our children. Some, some of them are not with us. They may be in different places somewhere in the world, loving Abba, wherever they may be. May you protect all of them. Bless and love your people all over the world. There may be some who are afflicted with disease or sickness. Father, heal us all. Restore our health and strength. Give us the ability to endure and to live by faith. Our King Yahushua, you warned us about deception. We want to enrich our life. So we invite you today. Dwell in our hearts. We invite you every time. May you be with us that we may grow in knowledge. We may increase in faith. And our devotion to you will be firm and sure. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. Bless your people, O oh Father. Prepare us for our salvation. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.